Welcome back, True Crime Army. I am your host, Margot, and this is Military Murder, a show where I focus on crimes committed by military members and veterans. But don't worry, you don't have to know anything about the military to listen, I promise. You just have to be a true crime enthusiast, and if that's you, welcome home. I know that you are all eager to hear the rest of Anitra Gunn's tragic story. And if you thought that part one was a wild ride, just wait. Because when you hear what happened to this beautiful young lady, your blood will be boiling over. But before I begin, I do have a little request. If you're new to military murder, welcome to the True Crime Army. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to the show. It'll either appear as a little plus symbol or a check mark or just a subscribe button. It really just depends on where you listen. Also, if you love this show and never miss an episode, please be kind and leave me an early birthday gift. Yes, your girl is a June baby. <laughs> and you can leave me this early birthday gift by leaving me a five-star rating. And if you're feeling extra spicy, leave some kind words as well. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate. I know that on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating and a review. I know on Spotify, you can leave a rating. I know on Stitcher, you have to leave a, a written review, but you have to use a computer. There's a ton of ways that you guys can leave a rating and a review, and I would greatly appreciate it. These reviews really do help me recruit new true crime warriors. Okay, with that, this is the conclusion of the tragic loss of Anitra Gunn. Now, let's dig in. When I left off last week, I was talking about DeMarcus and Anitra's toxic relationship. In early of February 2020, Anitra had met a man who worked at a barbershop near the restaurant where she worked. They began communicating on Snapchat and then transitioned to sending each other text messages. Well, on February 5th, 2020, Anitra and Scoot Howard were hanging out at her house. They had fallen asleep at some point when they were startled awake by a loud bang. At first, Anitra thought it was her dog making the noise, so they just kind of went back to sleep without incident. Scoot ended up spending the night at Anitra's house, and he let himself out between 6 and 7 in the morning. And it was as he was leaving through the back door by the carport that he noticed broken glass on the floor, and the window on the door was broken. But not just that. All four of the tires on Anitra's car were flat, the result of a slashing. Scoot asked Anitra if she had any problems with any specific person and she told him no. And clearly it's possible she didn't want to scare him away due to her ex-boyfriend. In any event, on February 13th, Scoot went over to Anitra's house again for about 20 minutes. The next morning on Valentine's Day, when he realized that he left his work phone at her house, he texted her about the phone and that started the bizarre exchange of messages with Anitra's phone, where she asked him to send his location and then he then offered to pick him up. and. It was just pretty wild. Scoot and Anitra literally lived down the street from each other. Anitra really didn't need his location or his address. She made it very clear in the few days that she knew him that she wouldn't come to his house because he lived with his mom and nieces. She just didn't feel comfortable with that. Well, Scoot started noticing a black car with a red pinstripe passing back and forth on his street. 
while he was texting with Anitra. He saw the car. It passed once and then twice and then three times and four and five. And then by the sixth time, he was like, something is weird about this. He made a note of the license plate at that point and noted that there was a male driving, but no one else was visible in the car. That's when he messaged Anitra's best friend, Sierra, and he messaged her on Snapchat. And he's like, hey, have you heard from Anitra? Which, remember, Sierra had not heard from her for a few hours. Sierra and Anitra had been college roommates at one point, but Sierra had moved out earlier in the semester. Sierra and Anitra were best friends. Sierra had never met DeMarcus in person, but she knew that she didn't like him. DeMarcus had a habit of calling Anitra over and over and over again, resulting in Anitra yelling at him to leave her alone. One time when Sierra and Anitra were talking over FaceTime, DeMarcus just showed up at Anitra's place unexpectedly. Sierra could hear him yelling at Anitra from outside the house. And this wasn't the only weird incident. Sometimes Anitra would even go to Sierra's apartment to hide from DeMarcus when he was in one of his moods. On February 13th, 2020, DeMarcus Little and his best friend, Javon Abram, attended a party in Fort Valley. While they were at the party, they met up with Anitra, who was there with her friend, India King. After they were at the party for a while, India left with her brother, Tracy, and Anitra ended up leaving with DeMarcus and two other people. Anitra and DeMarcus ended up going to DeMarcus's aunt's house on Chest Hill Road. But before they went there, Aunt Glock had received a text message late on the 13th from DeMarcus, asking her to make sure that she left the screen door unlocked so that he can get in. After hanging out the party, DeMarcus and Anitra went to the Waffle House in the early morning hours of February 14th, and they were there at around 2 a.m. Then they went back to Aunt Glock's house. Aunt Glock is a nurse. She has two jobs, plus she teaches certified nursing classes for one of the facilities where she works. That morning, Aunt Glock got home at around 2.45 in the morning after working two shifts, and she had to be up early the next morning to go teach a class. As she was getting her uniform out of the laundry room, she could hear people talking outside. And when she peeked, she saw Anitra and DeMarcus outside talking. They came inside and spoke for a second. Then DeMarcus and Anitra headed towards the spare bedroom at the back of the house. Aunt Glock doesn't know what happened after that because it was a quick turn and burn at home. Maybe she slept a little, maybe she didn't. But by 8.30 in the morning, she was back at work. By the time she left the house, it was quiet and no one else was awake. Now, this is where we kind of left off early in the story. Anitra was last known to be with DeMarcus at his aunt Glock's house. People, including her family, Scoot and Sierra and Anitra's dad, Chris, they were getting text messages from Anitra's phone, but they were off. They were weird. They just didn't seem like Anitra. Then that afternoon, Anitra didn't show up for work and Chris Gunn had the police do a welfare check, but there was no Anitra. The following day, Chris and his son, Antoine, traveled to Fort Valley. They formally reported Anitra missing and the search began. As we know, on February 18th, a sheriff's deputy discovered Anitra's body near some tire marks and broken car parts. But while everyone thought DeMarcus was clearly involved, he wasn't arrested for her murder. DeMarcus Little was arrested for something else. He was charged with criminal damage to property and was booked into the Peach County Jail without bond. The police had actually questioned him three times about Anitra's disappearance prior to him being arrested for breaking her window and slashing her tires. 
but they didn't have enough evidence to arrest him for her disappearance or murder. I mean, did he do it? We didn't know. So wait, what? He wasn't arrested for murder? Okay, listen, bear with me. There is a lot we're going to unpack here. On Friday, February 21st, 2020, a week after Anitra went missing, DeMarcus Little was seen by a judge on the criminal damage charges. He was granted a $10,000 bond and required to wear an ankle bracelet monitor as a stipulation to his release. Normally for this offense, bond would be about $1,500, but he was considered a flight risk. He was also told that when he went back to Fort Gordon in Augusta, he would be forbidden to leave the confines of the base. DeMarcus's sister and father made statements to the press after the hearing. Sequasha backed her brother and said that she didn't think he damaged Anitra's property because he was a caring and loving person and took care of Anitra. Then DeMarcus's dad, Andre Little, turned to talk to the cameras. He said, quote, glad he was granted bond so that he can get back to his career in the army. My son has never done anything to anyone. I can sympathize with the family, but my son didn't do this. He was raised the right way, end quote. Don't worry, though, because I'm not even sure if DeMarcus even made it out of the jail, because within four hours of this hearing, I think, DeMarcus was arrested again, and this time he was charged with malice murder for the killing of Anitra Gunn. In Georgia, you're charged with malice murder when a homicide is committed with express or implied malice, malice being the intention or desire to do evil or ill will. To defend him, DeMarcus retained a former military criminal defense attorney by the name of Benjamin Davis. Davis quickly made his way in front of the press and made his first move in establishing DeMarcus's character defense. Davis claimed that DeMarcus was a good soldier and therefore couldn't have killed Anitra Gunn. But listen, in a podcast called Military Murder, we know that just because someone was good, wore a uniform, never got in trouble before. Well, we know better than to automatically believe that someone is not capable of murder, right? Hi, everyone. For anyone who follows me on Instagram, I recently posted a picture of me with my kiddos at Disney in front of the Disney castle. But I posted it because my shoulders were looking on fire, defined, toned, and overall just pleasant to look at. So many of you asked me in my DMs for my secret. And of course, my secret is 4 a.m. workouts. But I get the oomph to wake up at 4 a.m. and work out from my pre-workout drink called Energy Explosion. My pre-workout powder was created by world-renowned fitness guru Natalia Melofit. I have been following Natalia for many years now. And in fact, after my second C-section, I hired her as my fitness trainer. And she also helped me postpartum with my third C-section as well. So when she came out with a pre-workout supplement that didn't cause any of the jitters and the crashing, I knew I needed to try it. Energy Explosion helps with energy, and it keeps me going all through the morning hours. Because I take it first thing in the morning, which is when I choose to work out, I no longer require that morning cup of joe. This pre-workout has nootropic ingredients, which significantly help me personally with mental clarity and focus. Which, listen, when you're juggling what feels like hundreds of tasks a day, it truly does help. And guess what? My listeners are getting 15% off your order. What? Yes, please. If you're ready to get the pump without the jitters, visit mbodysup.com and enter my code MAMAMARGO at checkout for 15% off your order. That's M as in Mike, body, 
SUP, as in Sierra Uniform Papa Papa, dot com. Add energy explosion to your car and use my code Mama Margo, that's M A M A M A R G O T, for 15% off. Enjoy. And when you use it, please DM me so we can talk about your workouts. On Monday, February 24th, Anitra's cause of death was made public. Anitra died as a result of manual strangulation. Around the same time that her cause of death was made public, DeMarcus appeared in court again on the murder charges. His bail request was denied and he was sent back to jail to await trial. And await he would, because it took a whopping two years to bring DeMarcus Little to trial. You see, Anitra was murdered on February 14th, 2020, on the cusp of the world shutting down due to the pandemic. But behind the scenes, the prosecution was gathering more and more evidence. In the painfully long time that he waited for Anitra's accused killer's trial, Chris Gunn had to celebrate his daughter's birthday and the anniversary of her death twice. On what would have been her 25th birthday on November 6, 2021, Chris posted a birthday wish on Facebook saying, quote, We'll always love you, miss you, and keep your name alive and well. Happy heavenly birthday, baby girl, end quote. Two weeks before her birthday, however, the trial date was announced. DeMarcus Little would face a jury starting on March 7, 2022. The prosecution team would be led by Senior Assistant District Attorney Don Baskin and Assistant District Attorney Neil Halverson. The defense was led by Benjamin Davis, the former military defense counsel that DeMarcus retained back in 2020. DeMarcus now was facing three charges, malice murder, felony murder, and aggravated assault in the strangling death of Anitra Gunn. On March 3, 2022, Defense Counsel Benjamin Davis told the media, quote, We believe that in time, what will be shown is that he's really not capable of committing this kind of offense, end quote. He went on, quote, If he were the kind of person that would commit a malice murder like this, that would have been borne out in the military, end quote. Davis emphasized that DeMarcus had no criminal history and ended his statement by saying, quote, if you look at his character from all we know about him right now, he's not the kind of individual that would go out and commit a cold-blooded murder, certainly not strangle somebody, end quote. I mean, I know defense counsel have to represent their clients to the best of their ability, but I read that statement and I imagine that emoji with the little sweat on the eyebrow, you know, but I digress. In the prosecution's opening statement, ADA Neil Halverson presented the evidence they planned to use to convict DeMarcus Little of killing Anitra Gunn. In a shocking revelation during the opening statement, the prosecutor announced that DeMarcus had confessed to his best friend, Javon. He told him that in the early morning hours of February 14th, 2020, he had confessed his love for Anitra. And when he did, she, she, she laughed at him. It was when Anitra was laughing at him that DeMarcus says he snapped and he placed his hands around Anitra's neck and strangled her until she stopped moving. According to the prosecutor, DeMarcus admitted this to his best friend two days after he murdered Anitra. When offered the opportunity to make an opening statement, the defense postponed. Witness after witness took the stand and gave their testimony, their little piece of the story. Witnesses included Aunt Glock, Scoot Howard, and India and Tracy King, the brother and sister who had been at the party with Anitra and DeMarcus on February 13th. Aunt Glock confirmed 
that she saw Anitra with DeMarcus at her house in the early morning hours of February 14th, 2020. Honestly, it's a very real possibility that Aunt Galak was most likely the last person to see Anitra alive, except, of course, for her killer. As the trial continued day after day, a parade of witnesses took the stands giving expert testimony. They included the police officers and deputies who investigated Anitra's disappearance. One of them said that DeMarcus confessed to breaking Anitra's window and slashing her tires just nine days before she was murdered. There were experts who presented undisputable evidence that put DeMarcus Little's phone in the exact location where Anitra's car was abandoned and where her body was found. This evidence was obtained using the cached location on DeMarcus's phone. That same phone expert testified about text messages that he found on DeMarcus's phone. Messages between DeMarcus and Anitra, where Anitra called DeMarcus toxic and threatened to press charges after he admitted to her that he was the one who slashed her tires and broke her window. Wow. It sounds to me like DeMarcus liked to brag about his crimes, but I'm okay with that. And you know what? DeMarcus Little is a real charmer. I mean, I'm kidding. But the phone expert testified that there were messages on DeMarcus's phone that he had asked at least four different women to have sex with him during the days that Anitra was missing and when everyone was looking for her. Throughout the trial, the prosecution painstakingly went through hundreds and hundreds of text messages between DeMarcus and Anitra between DeMarcus and Javon, between Anitra and Scoot, between Anitra and Sierra, between Anitra and her dad, literally hours of testimony with senior ADA Baskins going through pages and pages and pages of text messages with these experts. Remember how DeMarcus claimed that Anitra accidentally shared her location with him from her iPhone? Yeah, when I first read about that, I was confused as all hell. Well, a very smart police officer named Officer Whitehead, he testified about that. Thankfully, he was pretty familiar with iPhones. You might remember Officer Whitehead from part one of this story. He was the cop who initially responded to the location where they found Anitra's car. Well, we never learn whether Anitra was the one who actually turned on her phone location, but it's possible. But listen, normally on an iPhone, when you share your location via text message, it sends you an alert. It also sends you an alert when you stop sharing a location with that person. So if I was going to share a location with my husband, it would send him an alert that I have shared my location. And then if I stopped sharing it, it would send my husband an alert that I had stopped sharing my location as well. Well, when they found Anitra's car, Officer Whitehead checked DeMarcus's phone with permission at the scene. And Officer Whitehead could totally see where Anitra shared and stopped sharing locations. But he also saw that DeMarcus had turned his location sharing off of his phone on the day that Anitra went missing, which is super suspicious if you ask me. Officer Whitehead testified that he asked DeMarcus for permission to turn the location services back on and DeMarcus said okay. So when he did, Anitra's phone was showing another location. And for those of you wondering, Anitra's phone was eventually found in a drainage ditch near where the updated location showed but it looked as if it had been put there deliberately. But sadly, her phone was so water damaged that they were unable to recover any information off of it. And remember the missing bumper that was found miles from Anitra's body? Wouldn't you know it, the GBI dragged that whole ass bumper into the courtroom. 
I mean, it was a literal giant piece of evidence. And it sat in front of the witness box for five whole days, just bloop, right there. The medical examiner took the stand and gave details of his findings from Anitra's autopsy. Anitra ultimately died of manual strangulation, which means that someone put their hands or arm around her neck and squeezed, cutting off her circulation until she died. Her eyes showed large amounts of petechia, which is caused by blocking the blood supply to the head. Besides the obvious injuries to her neck, which included an internal exam that showed massive bruising, Anitra also had bruises on her face and in her mouth. The medical examiner testified that the injuries took place pre-mortem or before Anitra died. The bruises to her face were caused by something striking her and the bruises in her mouth would most likely have been caused by someone holding their hand forcefully over her mouth. There were several crescent-shaped marks on her neck that the medical examiner explained were most likely made by her own fingernails as she tried to fight off her attacker. Anitra literally tried to claw her perpetrator's hands and arms from around her neck. Anitra's injuries were photographed and shown to the jury during the trial. Injuries to Anitra included some postmortem injuries to her hip, leg, and back. They were graphic and hard for Anitra's family to see. At one point, her father, Chris Gunn, had to get up and leave the courtroom. DeMarcus Little spent every day of the trial sitting in his chair, staring straight ahead. He wore a mask, but made no movements with his eyes or face that gave away any emotions. During the medical examiner's testimony, DeMarcus looked away from the huge TV monitor where the photographs of Anitra's injuries were being shown. So many witnesses testified at DeMarcus's trial, but by far the most powerful testimony came from Javon Abron. He was DeMarcus's best friend, and he was the one who told police that DeMarcus had confessed everything to him. But before I get to that confession, I have to take you back just a little bit. Javon was friends with DeMarcus for a while. They went to high school together. And when DeMarcus visited home, he often met up with Javon. Javon also knew Anitra. In February of 2020, Javon was living in Valdosta, Georgia, but planned to visit Warner Robins. But when his car broke down on his way there, DeMarcus picked him up. The date was February 13th. And after he got picked up, Javon went to the party with DeMarcus and Tracy. At the party, Javon saw Anitra. After the party, Javon dropped Anitra and DeMarcus off at Anitra's house to pick up her car because the pair wanted to go grab some food. Then Javon left. Hours later, a little after 4 a.m., Javon showed up at Aunt Glock's house and he then texted DeMarcus to let him in. DeMarcus let him in and Javon went to an upstairs bedroom. Later that morning, the two men exchanged good mornings over text message and DeMarcus told Javon he would be right back. That was at about 11.28 a.m. DeMarcus wasn't gone long, maybe 30 minutes or so, but when DeMarcus came back, he showed Javon a text he had received from Anitra. Javon didn't really care to read the text, but he recalled on the stand that it said something like, I love you, happy Valentine's Day. After this, DeMarcus took Javon with him to a local pawn shop to buy a gun. But throughout this entire afternoon, DeMarcus was preoccupied on his phone. He was texting. It appeared DeMarcus was upset because he was getting grilled by Sierra. She wanted to know where Anitra was, and she had reason to believe that DeMarcus had her phone. Javon had no clue what was going on that morning. He had no clue why they were looking for Anitra's phone. And then even more odd, at some point, they started looking for Anitra. Later that afternoon on Valentine's Day, Javon got a message or a call from DeMarcus. 
he needed a ride because at some point they split up. Javon picked DeMarcus up on the corner of Bell Street and Montrose Street. And Javon was like, dude, how did you get here? DeMarcus told him that he had been driving around with Sierra looking for Anitra when Sierra got mad at him and kicked him out of the car. By the way, when Sierra testified, she said she was never with DeMarcus that day. As Javon and DeMarcus drove away, Javon spotted a car in the distance that looked like Anitra's car. But when he pointed it out to DeMarcus, DeMarcus said he and Sierra had already checked it out and it wasn't Anitra's car. Mind you, Sierra says she was never with him that day. So after he said that, they went on their way. Again, at some point, the two guys split up and later DeMarcus called Javon again. Then when they were back together, DeMarcus took them to some area. And as DeMarcus was FaceTiming with Anitra's dad, DeMarcus, no kidding, asked Javon to record him looking for Anitra. Now, break, break. You may recall, I think it was episode one, where DeMarcus is on the phone with Chris, Anitra's father, and he says that he had pinged or that she had shared her location with him earlier in the day. And when he went and was FaceTiming with Anitra's father, he had Javon record him, which is just so bizarre. The following day, which was Saturday, the two men linked back up with Anitra's brother to search for Anitra. And that's when they happened upon Anitra's car. And immediately, Javon started feeling weird because Anitra's car was found on the same street where Javon picked DeMarcus up a day earlier. In the following day on February 16th, Javon would be in for quite the story. Recently, I covered two unsolved cases, which I am sure caused you to pause and analyze your inner detective. Well, if you want to hone in on that inner detective, then you need to check out June's Journey. June's Journey is a mobile game that you can play anywhere while connected to Wi-Fi. June's Journey takes you through the main character, June's, adventure to uncover family secrets. Her first task is to uncover the mystery of her sister's death. You will be using your keen eye to spot hidden clues in the immersive scenes that take you across the globe. The scene is set in the 1920s, so it's like going back in time. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game, and I love playing while waiting for my kids at the bus stop. It allows me to clear my mind from the tasks of the day and to refocus on my mommy duties. What I love about June's Journey is that not only are you searching for objects, but you can join other players online in a detective club. And then you also get to design this luxurious island estate that is all yours. And if you have friends who play, you can gift each other trees, flowers, and other amazing decorative items. Today, I invite you to escape reality and immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Go ahead, download June's Journey today. On that day, after they had both gone to church separately, Javon received a text message from DeMarcus. DeMarcus said he had something to tell him, and then he drove over and picked up Javon. As the two men drove around, DeMarcus said he had to do something and then said, quote, if I tell you this, you can't say nothing to nobody because if you do, you know what's up, end quote. DeMarcus then detailed what happened on that fateful night two days before. He said he was pouring his heart out to Anitra about how he felt about her and how much he loved her. When all of a sudden, DeMarcus claims Anitra laughed in his face. When she laughed, DeMarcus told Javon that he didn't know what happened. He blacked out and hit her. Then he grabbed her and just started strangling her. 
DeMarcus said at first Anitra tried to fight back, but at some point she just stopped fighting. So DeMarcus told him that he felt like she wanted to go be with her mom. What the what? This mother That's not his decision to make. DeMarcus said he strangled her until she was dead. And you might know this already, but it's not just like a minute of holding someone's neck to cause them to die. It takes a pretty long time, minutes, three, four, five minutes to completely terminate someone by strangulation. According to Javon's testimony, DeMarcus also confessed to Javon that once she was dead, DeMarcus wrapped her body in a blanket and then dragged her outside where he placed her body in the trunk of her own car, drove her out to the woods and dumped her body. Now, if you thought this story was wild and almost unbelievable, just wait. Because as DeMarcus was driving around telling his best friend that he killed his girl two days prior, he drove Javon into the woods and said, I need to grab a piece of evidence. Javon must have been afraid. I don't care how tough you are. In a situation like this, you're afraid. If someone confesses to murdering a person you know is missing, it's pretty scary, I imagine. And Javon testified that he was scared because not only did he just confess to a murder, DeMarcus had a gun in the car with him. And to top off his fear, Javon thought that DeMarcus was taking him to Anitra's dead body. But DeMarcus wasn't doing that. He took Javon to retrieve the bumper and Javon helped DeMarcus dispose of the bumper a few miles away in a ditch. Javon concluded his testimony by saying that his best friend should have owned up to his crime. The prosecution asked Javon point blank if he killed Anitra, if he helped kill Anitra, or if he helped dispose of Anitra's body, to which Javon responded, no ma'am, to each and every question. Soon thereafter, the prosecution rested their case. And then it was the defense's turn to put on their case if they chose to do so. And well, they called one witness and one witness only. Someone completely unexpected. DeMarcus Little himself. On the last day of the defense case, DeMarcus Little took the stand in his own defense. As soon as he got up to walk to the witness stand, Chris Gunn got up and walked out of the courtroom. Honestly, when I saw this, I was hoping Anitra's dad would jump over the median and just womp on DeMarcus Little. But Chris Gunn had more class than that. While he was on the stand, DeMarcus's defense attorney, Benjamin Davis, asked DeMarcus to explain what Anitra was to him. And DeMarcus said that she was his soulmate. Now let that sink in for a minute. Who kills their soulmate? And now I totally understand why Chris Gunn left the courtroom. Soulmate? Mr. Davis asked DeMarcus what that meant to him. And DeMarcus went on to say that Anitra was his lifeline and meant everything to him. Davis then asked him if he was having a hard time coping with her loss. DeMarcus pondered that question. He looked up at the ceiling and finally answered yes. The defense then asked him, would you ever take her life? DeMarcus responded, no, sir. The defense asked, would you ever kill someone the way the state described in the home of your aunt? DeMarcus said no. But as he said that, he looked away because, you know, liars can never hold eye contact. The defense finished the extremely brief three-minute examination and turned it over to the prosecution for cross-examination. For the following hour, senior ADA Don Baskin led the cross-examination for the prosecution. 
and I actually went back and watched it, and it was excruciating. DeMarcus referred to Anitra as his soulmate and that he would never kill her, but Don Baskin came off of the ropes and called him on his BS. DeMarcus tried to weasel his way out of the airtight evidence at the Fort Valley Police Department, the Peach County Sheriff's Office, and GBI presented by saying that they were all just wrong. And whenever he couldn't explain certain pieces of evidence, he basically just said he couldn't remember. ADA Baskin read Anitra's text message where she called him evil, manipulative, and narcissistic, to which DeMarcus whined that they had good times and he wasn't a monster. During the testimony of all the witnesses and experts, DeMarcus Little stared straight ahead and didn't make any eye contact with anyone. It was a thousand yard stare. But while he was on the stand and the prosecutor grilled him, he sat with his head kind of cocked slightly to the side and intently looked at her as she talked. As he blubbered through most of the answers with yes ma'am or no ma'am, ADA Baskin caught him in lie after lie after lie and she challenged him at every turn. She asked him, who shall we believe then? The DeMarcus Little sitting in trial today or the one who threatened to kill before? DeMarcus Little stared at her and said that he was the same person. He is who he is. And ADA Baskin responded, bingo, you are the same person, a killer. DeMarcus blurted out, quote, I'm not the person that you guys are trying to make me out to be. I've been in this jail for two years, two years ready to get back to my duties. I'm ready to get back. You guys are playing with my life. Every relationship has problems. We all know that. Like I said, you guys showed the bad times. You should show the good times. If someone was scared of me, they would have stayed away. They wouldn't have come back, end quote. At some point, members of Anitra's family had to get up and leave the courtroom. ADA Baskin wrapped up her questions by grilling DeMarcus about where he was during an hour and a half of time on February 14th that he couldn't account for. He kept trying to tell her that he couldn't remember or that the information that they had was wrong. She finally asked him if he had ever heard the old saying, the simplest explanation leads to the truth. He answered no. And with that, the prosecutor ended her questions. Both sides made their closing arguments late on the afternoon of March 15th, 2020. District Attorney Alverson gave the closing argument for the prosecution, at times his voice showing his emotional connection to the case. He and Baskin had poured everything they had into proving that DeMarcus was a killer. It was clear they both cared deeply for the Gunn family and they wanted to get justice for Anitra. Defense attorney Benjamin Davis told the jury that the case made no sense, going so far as to say that the prosecution made conclusions based only on text messages. But when Baskin got up to speak, she referred to DeMarcus's phone as the biggest witness against him. Not just the text messages, but all of the information on that phone, all the phone data, all the phone data that was taken from his phone, like the cash locations putting him in the woods where her body was found. The jury deliberated for just three hours before returning with their verdict. DeMarcus Little had been so still during the entire trial, but now he rocked back and forth nervously in his seat. Judge Connie Williford, Superior Court judge, advised everyone in the court that although this was a murder trial and was an emotional time, no emotional reactions would be allowed when the verdict was read. The bailiff handed the verdict to the judge who carefully reviewed it expressionless. She requested counsel to approach and shared the paper's contents with all of them. Again, very professional, no expressions. They all had total poker faces. 
DeMarcus was asked to stand while they presented the verdict. The court clerk then read the charges with the verdicts. The first charge, malice murder, not guilty. The second charge, felony murder, guilty. And the last charge, aggravated assault, guilty. DeMarcus had stood with his attorney while they read the verdict. He did just what the judge ordered and did not change his emotions or make any sounds as they were being read. So did the entire courtroom. You could have actually heard a pin drop. Sentencing immediately followed, and the judge took the family's statements into careful consideration. Anitra's godmother stood for the family and read an emotional statement to the court. She said that the opportunity for Anitra's family to ever be able to tell her that they love her is gone forever. Her beautiful singing voice would never be heard again. She said that people often ask for compassion for defendants. She wanted to know where his compassion was when he made a choice to murder Anitra. Was there any compassion when he put his hands around Anitra's neck and strangled and watched the life leave her body? She said that DeMarcus had time to stop and remove his hands to allow her to breathe to keep the life. The family requested that the maximum penalty be given and served consecutively for the crimes he was convicted of. Anitra's godmother finished saying, quote, The name of Anitra Gunn will not go away. We as a family will make sure of that, end quote. Anitra's sister also spoke to the judge. She said that he deserved to have an eye for an eye. ADA Neil Halverson provided the closing remarks before sentencing was over. The state requested the same sentence as the family did, life without the possibility of parole. Defense attorney Benjamin Davis pointed out that DeMarcus was not convicted of malice murder because the crime was committed without malice. He believed that the most appropriate sentence would be life with the possibility of parole. The judge took everything under advisement and then handed down her sentence, life without the possibility of parole. DeMarcus Little was immediately placed in handcuffs. The judge quickly explained he would be eligible to appeal. And before they took him away, DeMarcus's father was able to give his son a hug. Then DeMarcus Little vanished. Then everyone made their way out of the courtroom. There were no winners in sight, only the continued loss of a beautiful soul, Anitra Gunn. Later that night, Anitra's father posted to Facebook, quote, guilty, life with no parole, justice has been served, we got him, baby girl, end quote. Some of you might be wondering what happened to Javon Abram. Well, early on in the reporting of this case, it was reported that Javon had been charged with two counts of making a false statement and one count of concealing a death. I tried to look up more information to see if Javon was offered a plea deal or if the charges were dismissed in exchange for his testimony against his friend. But I didn't find anything. But I didn't want to leave everyone hanging wondering if he had ever been charged at all. The answer is yes. The result is unknown at this time. But I'll keep everyone posted on my social media if I hear anything. During Anitra's eulogy, her childhood pastor, Reverend Justin Freeman, spoke about Anitra's voice. He said, quote, she would make the hair stand up on your head. If you know anything about her, you know she has an amazing voice, end quote. He went on to say, quote, don't think for one minute Anitra has stopped singing, adding, quote, the choir she sings with now is a little different. And then he went on to say that she was singing with angels now. Anitra Lachey Gunn was interned at the New Canon Baptist Church Cemetery, which was her childhood church. Anitra will forever be remembered for being a leader, a provider, a nurturer, 
and she was absolutely beautiful. She had the deepest dimples, but she had more than just physical beauty. She was intelligent, gifted, and literally everyone said the same thing about Anitra. She loved to sing. This case reminds me of that quote by Margaret Atwood, quote, Men are afraid that women will laugh at them. Women are afraid that men will kill them, end quote. Never before has that quote made sense for me in a case, except for now. Rest in peace, Anitra. Be sure to follow me on social on Instagram at Military Murder Podcast. You can also find me on TikTok at Military Margot with a T at the end. This story was researched and written by fan club member Myrtle. The sources for this episode are identical to part one and include the fully litigated trial available on the Law & Crime YouTube channel. We also relied on articles found on 13WMAZ News, WSBTV, AJC.com, Stars and & Stripes, and Facebook. This show was created by Mama Margot Productions and is produced in collaboration with my Patreon fan club supporters. If you'd like to support the show, check out patreon.com slash military murder to see how you can support today. The music was created by Tyops. Until next time, remember, you never really know what someone is capable of. So remain vigilant always. You have a fabulous week and I'll keep digging to bring you another military murder story next time. Working on our podcast. I don't want to.